Hey there, welcome to the What Connects Us podcast, where we explore human connection with people in Saskatchewan. Today we're talking with Greg Moore about what he sacrificed and learned when he leapt at his dream to become a full-time content creator. We're kicking off season four with a bang, so let's get dangerous. Yes, we're back with season four of the What Connects Us podcast. We could not be more excited to feature six more Saskatchewanians who all have captivating and relatable stories of triumph, heartbreak, risk, courage, vulnerability, transformation, and of course, financial impacts. If this is your first time tuning into the podcast, hi, my name is Mason Gardner, and I'm honored to be your host and to help tell these stories that will leave you inspired, informed, and in awe of all of these journeys. If you listened to the podcast before, welcome back. Your support means everything and allows us to continue telling these stories. We're celebrating our one-year anniversary since we launched the podcast in October of last year, and we're starting with a story of someone who I think a lot of you will recognize and I know you'll want to hear. If you haven't had the pleasure of meeting Greg Moore, our guest on the podcast today, he's a very creative and charismatic guy with a true heart of gold. You'll hear it for yourself in a minute here. Greg did what a lot of us dream of doing and handed in his two weeks notice at his stable nine to five job to pursue his passion. In this case, his passion was building a social media personality as part of the tandem Justin Greg, where a humble Facebook live show suddenly turned into this duo creating content for brands like the Golden Knights, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and even Facebook themselves. On the surface, everything looked like success for Greg, but today we'll chat about what the struggle to monetize his passion had on his sustainable income, his financial well-being, and ultimately his mental health. And we'll chat about how he somehow pivoted to becoming the morning show host on one of Saskatchewan's most listened to radio stations, Z99. This is truly a story of risk, faith, and investing in yourself, and is so incredibly worthy of our season four premiere. So let's jump into it. What connects us to Greg? Let's find out. Greg Moore, welcome to the podcast. Mace, thanks for having me. Am I allowed to call you Greg? I, like your name is Wheels on the radio. I feel like I just outed like Bruce Wayne as Batman on this podcast. I definitely not, but I'll respond to both. Okay, I responded to worse, so both those are fine. How did Wheels come about? Ooh, everyone asked me this because Wheels is a weird name. Yeah, just Degrassi. And if you remember the BK characters, like yeah. the club, there's yeah. a guy named Wheels on that. Oh, okay. So when I started in radio. On the Green Zone in AM, there's the morning host mm-hmm. on CJME, Greg Morgan. Mm-hmm. Having Greg Moore and Greg Morgan on the same station yeah. is confusing. Confusing. So they said, you need a nickname. Yeah. What did your friends call you growing up? And I said, nothing. My friends were the least creative people on the planet growing up. Right. So they gave me no nicknames. The closest thing I got was Moorsey from my baseball coach, yeah. who's a hockey guy. Yeah. Moorsey, Woodsy, like you add the E to a sports name, yeah. that's what it is. I'm like, I, no, I don't. No one actually calls me Morsey. Right. So we went down the list of potential nicknames. Yeah. And the best of the worst was Wheels, which was a mockery from my co host at the time, Jamie Nye. Yeah. I used to be fast in grade school, like <laughs> high school. I qualified for nationals. Really? In high school, in my grade 12 year. Yes. So I still believe I'm that fast, like so many people. Yeah. So Jamie mocked me and was like, okay, Wheels. Yeah. And it just kind of, okay, we're going to go with that one. Okay. Yeah. I, I was I was picturing like a drag racer or something like that, which yeah. does not fit you. No, they say like, hey, you're fast. You got good wheels, hey? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Even when you're playing rec hockey, wheel, 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 like fly up there. And- right. So now okay. I'm wheels. So you're a fast guy. Uh, 
I still want to believe that I'm fast, but right. I have no idea. Okay. Awesome. So we have a little bit of an introduction, but tell me a little bit, uh, who is Greg Moore? Give me some background like, on who you are so we can better understand your story. The most impossible question. I know. Who is? What is I hate life? to do it to you. So the background is this. I come from a family of four boys. Uh, even my dog was a male okay. growing up. Sure. My father was a reverend, so Pastor Larry. Mm. I was born in St. Stephen, New Brunswick, which is the home of the Ganong Chocolate Factory. It borders... Callis, Maine. Okay. Lived there for about three months and then moved to Saskatoon where I grew up. Lived there for until I was age 11. Regular life. Again, I'm a pastor's kid, right? Then yeah. my dad got a different job in Calgary as a pastor. So I moved from Saskatoon to Calgary, all of us four boys. Look at you calling it Calgary. Isn't that like sacrilegious? It's you... Calgary if, if you're from there. But when you're out right. long enough, you just lose it yeah, because okay. no one else calls it sure. that. Sure. Yeah. So lived there until I was about 20, 21. And then moved to Regina because my then girlfriend had moved here, mm -hmm. or he's from here actually. And we were deciding, do you move to Calgary or do I move to Regina? Mm -hmm. And at the time, I really thought Calgary was arrogant. Mm -hmm. It was all about, you couldn't meet anyone. If I met you randomly on the street, hey Mason, how are you? Good, Greg, how are you? Then it goes right to, how do you help me? How do you further me in some way in my life? Interesting. You just feel like you get used and abused in Calgary. So I'm like, you know what? I, I need a different environment. And I'll never forget the first day I was working at a restaurant as a server. Mm -hmm. in my first day, a person's meal was gonna be late. Mm -hmm. And so I came to the table and said, hey, excuse me, your meal's gonna be five minutes late. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and they looked at me like I had three eyes. <laughs> and they're like, Kay. so? Yeah. So what, it's five minutes. And I'm like, you're not mad? Yeah. You're not gonna like destroy my tip? They're like, no, what's your name? I'm like, I'm Greg. They're like, yeah. hey, Greg, what's up? Well, you're an Enneagram nine, right? The yes. peacemaker. Yes. So that makes sense. Like, like how dare you like, be a nuisance to somebody's day. Absolutely. But in Calgary, they live by that. Right. Right. Calgary, it's like, is my meal not here? Yeah. 30 seconds after I ordered it, yeah. you are dead to me, right. server. Let me talk to the manager. <laughs> yeah. Just a bunch of Karens in Calgary. Yeah. And so, I mean, that was my life. I grew up loving baseball. My entire life, I played baseball. Was lucky enough to go to the Canadian National Championships in wow. 1998. Was this close yeah. to the Little League World Series? Oh. Uh, which would have been cool. And uh, a lot of my life has been involved in the church, okay. like the meta church. So a lot of drama, dance, um, ad-libbing sort of stuff in, in the church in various regards, mm -hmm. which has benefited me later on in my life. I had no idea. Right. I uh, went to university in Calgary, transferred to U of R, went to a Bible school for two years. Mm -hmm. So I'm just kind of like, I call myself a mutt, honestly. Right. If you say where are you from, I have no idea. Yeah. yeah. I'm from somewhere in Canada, and I have all these different experiences that make no sense. Right. Married, two kids. Yes. Winifred. Yep. The youngest is four. Mm -hmm. First day of school is today. Oh. And then Dominique is one on Friday. Oh, that's awesome. All right, let's jump into it. So you've had quite a few couple of years. You've gone from working at a marketing agency, at, at Look Agency, to your own digital strategy agency with Pigeon Social, to being a full-time personality with Justin and Greg. Then you made the jump as a radio co-host on the Green Zone radio show, to very recently landing one of the most coveted spots on radio in Saskatchewan as a co-host with Cassidy on Z99's morning show all while being a new father to, to new girls. How crazy has these last few years been for you? Insane. Mm -hmm. Insane. And if I told you I had a plan to do all that, you wouldn't believe me because it's not true. Right. So much of it is playing to my strength, which is just reacting and believing in the thing that's in front of me in the moment. Mm -hmm. So I used to work at an at ad agency called Look Matters, right, mm -hmm. at a, right at a university, actually. Graduated the day after I graduated, boom, started there. Oh, really? Yeah, I was there for about four and a half years. And then it kind of got routine-y, which is not a word, but you know what I mean. We're like, going to run with it. You just get 
kind of numb to everything. You're not inspired by it. It's the same routine over and over again. You don't actually care it becomes work, which I get that sometimes that's a blessing. Mm -hmm. But in this case, I was like, you know what? I'm at a point in my life where I can, I really felt like there was a fork in the road for me. Yeah. It was either continue on this way for the rest of your life and do what I call coasting for me. Right. Or take a risk and try something new. And I'll never forget it. A guy I had met twice, I think at the time, maybe three times, Justin Rivas, mm -hmm. reached out to me and said, hey, let's go for coffee. Let's hang out. We had been, we had done a, a little video together mm -hmm. in the past with Strategy Lab. It was a fun thing about Snapchat back in the day. Okay. And he loved the fact, he didn't know me from a hole in the wall, that when the camera went on, boom, I can turn it on mm -hmm. and have a lot of fun and communicate. He's like, whoa, what's going on here? So he wanted to get to know, know me better. Mm -hmm. And then after that coffee, I told my wife, I said, hey, something's going on here with Justin. Mm. And I think he's going to ask me to quit my job. So was this coffee like, like not just a, hey, let's get to know each other a little bit better. You could tell that there was something under the surface. Not necessarily. But when you meet someone that you have a connection with, this is a rare thing. You go, hmm, was this a, was this a bigger picture meeting? So we had a coffee. After that coffee, he said, hey, Greg, do you want to start the Justin and Greg show? Mm. This Facebook live show. And I'm like, what is it? He's like, I have no idea. Yeah. We'll just press go live and we'll see what happens. And so a few weeks after we had that coffee, because I said like, when do you want to start in Q1 January? He's like, no, let's start next week, which is a very Justin thing to do. Look at you talking in like corporate terms, yeah. Q1. Yeah. And then so he's like, let's just start on Tuesday. So we picked Tuesday, it worked for both of us. We went live for 45 minutes and it felt like we blacked out during the 45 minutes. Right. Because you would know this, you can't really force chemistry. It's mm -hmm. either there or it's not. Yeah. So we did it for 45 minutes, came up and we're like, whoa, that felt okay. Right. So then I went home after that, after that night and I mm -hmm. said, Justin's going to ask me to quit my job to my wife, who, by the way, had just given birth to our first daughter. Right. To a full-time job, first kid on the way. And I told her, I looked her in the eye and said, I feel like I'm supposed to say yes. And so we chatted about it, prayed about it. And we're like, okay, this is the thing. So he came over and of course, after the second Justin and Greg show said, hey, what do you think about quitting your job? Yeah. And I was like, I knew you're going to ask me this. Right. So they came over and lo and behold, that January, boom, quit my job, which paid me well. Yeah. To start a business at the time, Pigeon Social with mm -hmm. Justin and Greg with an, a nearly complete stranger. Yeah. Which if you're listening to this, and I know you are because you're listening to this, you can cut this part out. <laughs> I don't encourage people to do that. Yeah. Do not start a business with a complete stranger. That is insane. But it worked out. So back up real quickly. This isn't you jumping in saying, I'm doing Justin and Greg. I'm going to be an, a personality. Correct. You're, you're quitting your job at Look Matters to become a entrepreneur, start your own almost like boutique agency. A little bit, yeah. yeah we looked Pigeon. at the market and thought, there's a hole here with people that really know social. And that's not a knock on anyone here. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that to know social, you need to be in it all the time because it changes. It feels like every hour. Right. And so we thought, wait a minute. With this Justin and Greg thing, this content creation, we can experiment and try things in social without risking a, a company's brand, take what we learn and then give it to that corporation or that company. Right. And then they can execute on the principles. Yeah. So we thought we had this brilliant strategy of content and learning and then giving it to the clients. And so we thought, you know what? That seems to make sense. Let's do that full-time for a business. Right. So what was the time frame from when you went live with Justin on Justin and Greg, your very first Facebook live show to the moment where you put in your two weeks notice? I want to say I went live mid to early November. 
and I would have put my two weeks in, it's foggy, but sometime between December and January. Right. So like about a two month sort of period. Yeah. So what goes through your mind? You just had a brand new daughter. You, we've talked about the golden handcuffs before mm-hmm. where you're, I'm, I'm doing good from a financial standpoint, but I feel like I'm handcuffed. What goes through your mind to make that decision to jump? A few things. One of it is the trust that I think everything is going to be okay, regardless. Mm-hmm. I think, especially in a place like Regina or Saskatchewan, you know enough people to go, listen, I'm, I'm okay at my job. I think I'd be a, a decent asset. Worst case scenario, you can just get another job. I mean, mm-hmm. we're lucky to live in an environment where jobs are available to people. Right. And so I thought, you know what? Worst case scenario, I can just get another job. My second thing, though, was my daughter, Winter, Winifred, mm-hmm. looking at her and going, I owe it to her to live a life worthy of calling her into something, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, they, they, they say that you could stand on the, sh- on the shoulders of people that came before you. I wanted to do that for my daughter. Awesome. I wanted to look her in the eye when she's old enough to say, I took this risk, win or lose, I took it, and I'm better off for it. Mm-hmm. And I encourage you to do the same thing because actions speak louder than words. And to have that for her, I really feel like it's going to be a, a powerful thing as she grows up. Yeah. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. And again, Family first, worst case scenario, things fall apart. Yeah. You just go get another job. Money is money. Time is all we have for a real asset, right? Right. Like, what did someone say? Money comes and goes, time only goes. And so okay. it was like, yeah, I like let's that. make the most of this and see. And who knows, right? Yeah. He's a stranger. He's an incredibly talented person. Mm-hmm. We have this idea. Who knows where it goes? Worst case scenario, I'm getting some experience that I can apply to a future job. Yeah. So, so did you have to sell your wife on this or is Brittany like... That was one of the signs, Mace, Yeah, was she was so at peace with it. Mm. And that is not my wife Yeah, when it comes to new kid, no promised income, et cetera. Right. She was like, yeah, I think you should. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whoa, okay, yeah, yeah. we're on to something here yeah. that we were both so aligned like that. Right. And so because we were both on the same page, it was like, let's, let's do this. So Justin and Megan came over. We kind of talked how it might work. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, it was born. Yeah. What's day one like? Like you go from going, having a parking spot, showing up at work, you're tracking your time at, like at an agency, it's like oh. every 15 minutes to now you're showing up Justin's basement and you now have full control of your time. It's up to you when you want to work. What was day one like? That was a very hard transition for me. So Justin had been working on his own, I think for a year and a half at that point, mm-hmm. two years. So he was very new or very used to it and he knew how to take advantage of that. Yeah. I'm to your point. I forgot that I had tracked every single 0.25 of an hour yeah. for years. And I'll never forget. I think it was day one. I was telling him like, Hey, I think I'm going to go run this errand today. He's like, go <laughs> like, you don't need to ask me or for permission. Just go do it. Like teacher. Can I go to the bathroom? Like literally. Right. Yeah. Like, Oh, I think I, around three o'clock I'll take 15 minutes to go do this. He's like, Greg, I don't care yeah, totally. what you do. If you have family time, go do it. Right. And it was just like this crazy, at the same time, terrifying world of freedom. Yeah. I had all this freedom to build, grow, fail, do whatever I wanted to do. It was yeah. very hard. And I wish I could have another shot at it yeah. <laughs> to learn it again. Right. Because you have this moment in time where you are your own boss. And if you can dream it, you can do it. Yeah. And I feel like ugh, yeah. once it's gone, you have a better realization of I do have time to do whatever I want. Yeah. You have to be flexible. You have the ability to be flexible, but you also have to be disciplined. Yeah. Like for me, I think of like in in school, I was always that person when you get two weeks off for Christmas vacation, my bedtime would always go from like 10 p.m. to slowly like work its way down to 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. because I'm, at, I'm a natural n- night hawk. So if I didn't have that structure 
or that discipline in place, that would like that flexibility would almost overtake. It me. can eat you. Yeah, absolutely. It can. And that's why there's a special kind of person that starts their own business and is that self-motivated, self-driven person. Right. And so it was interesting. I learned a lot about myself mm -hmm. in those two and a half years for sure. What'd you learn? I learned more about my strengths. I found that I'm so used to being with a partner, like Justin is incredible at, at video and editing. And he's a, this brilliant at creating ideas. Mm -hmm. You can sit down with him and say, Hey, I've got this problem. And boom, he comes up with an idea, right? It takes me time. It takes me research. It takes me some thought, yeah. a deep dive into it. Oh, I don't have to be Justin. I need to be me. Learning that it's important that you have a complementary skill set, not the same one to be successful. Yep. Uh, learning to speak up sooner, mm. to fight for ideas that you really believe in. Okay. Because if you don't, just saying I told you so is not enough. Right. Like you're, you're in this together. So you both need to dive in and make this thing happen. Taking receipts and having to do that with accounting and forgetting what those streets and receipts and what that costs you. Right. That you can't expense every single lunch meal and be profitable all the time. Right. Because you're eating out and drinking all the time yeah. on your budget. Right. Because before corporate accounts, like, hey, this goes to the boss is not a big deal to me. Yeah. Every time I had lunch, <laughs> I'm paying for that, even though I'm not paying for that. Yeah. You can code it, but it's coming out of your pocket. Yeah. Again. Oh, that's so interesting. So what was it like? moving forward, like, like we said, you're, you're going from an income where you knew you could fall back on. So there's, there's that added level of stress there. Yeah. There's some of that. What was that variable income? like? Well, I mean, truthfully, before I quit my job, I got a line of credit as a, as a backup plan, right? Which turned to, that was the real MVP for my Justin and Greg yeah. uh, time as it turns out. So, I mean, you're fine for a few months. You've got it all planned out. And then things were actually going pretty well with pigeon. Yeah. We had, clients and we had people that wanted to work with us. The hard part is the way we had set it up, we had Justin and Greg and you had Pigeon, right? which were two different brains, like your, half of your brain sees, right? You got your creative side and your analytical side. Mm -hmm. And so the idea of practicing Justin and Greg and then giving that to our clients who don't work on the freedom basis, right? We had to schedule those meetings in yep. whenever we can and do projects for them whenever we can. Yep. Didn't work with the the strength of what Justin Gregg needed, which was freedom to breathe and be creative. Mm -hmm. And so what, what we found was on every single day, I'd have client meetings, let's say from nine until 12. And then we would try Justin and Greg for three hours and then have a, a client meeting from three yeah. to four. Yeah. And it sucked the life out of it because we had no idea how, like, you know, when it comes to how are you creative? It's like, I don't know. I've got my process, but mm -hmm. a lot of it's kind of magical, right? Right. And so we hit this roadblock of, how do we do both? Mm -hmm. Because it, it felt like we were compromising both things. Right. Our clients wanted more time with us and we couldn't give that to them because we needed to do Justin and Greg. Yeah. And Justin and Greg wasn't going to be what we believed it could be if we didn't breathe life into it. Right. You only had so many resources that you yeah. can allocate to both. So you're either, I've got to shift those one way and really make it go at that side or you're both are just going to be meh. Yeah. And that's kind of what it felt like was not lukewarm, but it just felt like neither thing was what it was supposed to be. Right. So somehow along the way, the Justin and Greg show blew up or you as a personality with Justin really blew up. You went from this grassroots Facebook live show to you working with brands like the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Vegas Golden Knights, and even Connexus here. So how did that happen? How did, how did Justin and Greg blow up to a point where you started becoming, I don't want to use the term household names, but you became a lot more recognized within Saskatchewan. It's a good question that I'm not sure I know the answer to. Mm -hmm. I mean, we showed up every day 
and we had core principles of we think that the world needs to laugh more mm-hmm. and needs to not take itself so seriously. Mm-hmm. And so what we were trying to do with Justin and Greg on our live show on Tuesday nights was provide an outlet for people to hang out, I'm not talking about politics yeah. or the things that were divisive, to show up and have fun with us. Mm-hmm. And I felt like the community responded. Like we're, we get nowhere if people like you, Mace, aren't watching the show and engaging and becoming the reason we show up every Tuesday anyway. And then... We actually got, we started creating some content on the side as well, like these one-off videos. Yeah. And some of those blew up. Right. And we had no idea they were going to blow up. I'll never forget my first one. My wife loves to shop. Mm -hmm. As lots of wives and husbands and a lot of us do, right? I I don't like to shop. She does. We have a winner's buyer house in Harbor Landing. And I realized this routine that she would have where she would buy a bunch of stuff and then take one thing and then return the rest. So she would show up and be like, I spent 300 bucks, but don't worry, I'm taking a lot of it back. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Whew, taking it back. Yeah. Then she would take it back and then come back with more stuff. Right. And do the same thing over and over again. And the I winter thought, cycle. Oh, the winter cycle. Yeah. I'm like, I can't be alone in this. So I asked a few other people, have you experienced this? And they said, yes. So then actually, you know, we make this video with Justin and his wife, Megan, at their house. And it ends up getting, I think, like three quarters of a million views, yeah. which is insane, yeah. mind-blowing stuff. And yeah. then winners got a hold of it and they shared it and they loved it and they gave us gift cards. And it was kind of like, oh. We can do this. Right. Yeah. You guys were almost taking things that were a lot of people were thinking about and saying it before anybody else did in in a fun, satirical video. Yeah. In many ways. Yeah. And at the time, because TikTok has changed some things, Mm. but at the time it was very difficult to get those videos out, to get those ideas out. Because if you want it done in a good way, making a video of that was kind of difficult. Yeah. And so having Justin's skill set, of the video and the editing and just knowing how to put two thoughts together. And I helped write and Tana Max helped us with some videos as well. Mm-hmm. That was kind of like a perfect time for the market. Yeah. And if you can capture that, like the rural Uber thing, we made a video called rural Uber where we thought, what would it be like, how do we make fun of the fact that Regina is getting Uber super late? What would that look like yeah. in rural Saskatchewan? Anyway, we showed up to my in-laws farm. Murray, my father-in-law is driving a tractor. He picks up Justin and I, and then lifts us up. In the front end loader. Front end loader. Yeah. Okay, so we thought it was funny. Yeah. What we didn't know is that people from Lumberg and all over the world had experienced this front end loader lifting you up to transport you, yeah. right? Yeah. And so when we put the video out there, we thought we were clever and funny yeah. with our video, but all of a sudden people are like, the front end loader, the nostalgia hit, right? Yeah. So it was this matter of like, we're trying our best to be brilliant, but we just got lucky. Yeah. It was some sort of cross section of both those things, as well as an endearing community of people that Say, hey, these two idiots are fun to cheer on. Yeah. Let's keep doing that. Yeah. You tapped into relatable content that someone watched and said, somebody's finally telling my story. And that is where people start tagging, where it becomes viral, which is so funny because you work for a company and everybody says, make me a viral video. Uh It's impossible. You can't control what goes viral or not. But it seemed like you and Justin had your finger on the pulse of whether you were trying to do it or you just kind of fell into it, of finding things that people would talk about and would want to share. Yeah, I'll agree with you. And some of that was luck and some of that wasn't luck, but a lot of it, the whole thing was fun. Like that real Uber video got 15 million plus views. Yeah. We spent two days just refreshing Facebook. Yeah. Because of the dopamine hits. Yeah. 200 shares an hour, 400 shares an hour. We're up to 1,200 shares an hour. Yeah. And you would just see these comments and these likes and these laughs. And you're like, wow, we're doing what we set out to do, which was to give the world something to laugh at and to smile at and a break. Because I'm a big belief that laughter is one of 
the best things I can give you yeah. is joy or a moment of like, wow, like all my problems kind of faded away for a second and I laughed. Yeah. That felt great. So that was kind of a, a home run for us. So tell me a little bit more about some of these big wins. And I want to hear about like the Vegas Golden Knights because that seems to be, am I correct to say like that is almost like the shining moment oh, from amazing. Justin and Greg? That is like, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big hockey fan. Right. So that story makes no sense. Mm-hmm. But I'm so proud of it. Right. And again, it was the same idea of, hey, we're trying to be brilliant here, mm-hmm. but some of it's luck. Right. And it was just the, again, the cross section of both. So yeah. we were doing Justin and Greg in the pigeon stuff. And I thought, you know what? There's room here for a podcast. Mm-hmm. There's room here for us to kind of go underneath of what we're actually doing, which I've already explained of we're working in social, trying to create content and giving those secrets to uh, our clients. Yeah. So I thought, who can we interview that would be interesting but it's not a super far reach. Like, okay, let's get The Rock on the podcast. Yeah. Probably not going to happen overnight. And so I was like, what about the Vegas Golden Knights social media guy? Because at the time, if you know the NHL, it can be quite stiff in terms of its communications. Right. But the Vegas Golden Knights Twitter account was anything but. It was irreverent. It was quirky. It was funny. And I thought, let's ask for permission for that guy. So we reached out to him on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And he said, hey, guys, I'd love to do it, but talk to my boss, Eric Tozzi, who was like the VP of communications, worked for, I think he worked for the Red Sox, the Patriots. Like he's a, he was a big deal in the sports world, right. corporate-wise. And he's like, what outlet are you? And we're like, oh, <laughs> we're not an outlet. We're two dads. Yeah. CBC. Are, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We have no idea what we're doing. And so Justin came up, came up with this idea of like, what if we made this video about the Saskatchewan adopting the Vegas Golden Knights? We made this video, put it out there, and had no idea... Like the video was just made for Eric Tozzi. Right. But what happened was at the time Vegas was brand new mm-hmm. and their fans got a hold of the video and found out that like, wait a minute, this, this Canadian place called Saskatchewan loves Vegas. Mm-hmm. There's probably 5 million Canadians that love Vegas Golden Knights. So right. they started sharing it around. So we sent it back to Eric with 250,000 views. He said, go to the podcast. So we did the podcast with Dan Maraza, mm-hmm. and then that was it. We put it out there. People didn't really care. It was more so for the process of the podcast. Yeah. But that whole thing opened up this layer of communication with Vegas and their fans and some people in here in Saskatchewan of like, hey, this is a cool idea. Let's make it happen. You guys should come down here and visit. Mm -hmm. You guys should come down here and visit. So that was in around November. And it was around February where Justin's like, hey, we need to go down there. Mm -hmm. We need to commit to the process. And once again, just take a leap and see what happens. So we bought tickets, rented a convertible in the middle or near the end of February. Yeah. We're going to fly into LA, watch them play in LA and then drive to Vegas and watch the team play in Vegas. Yeah. And I'll never forget. We emailed Eric saying, Hey Eric, we're coming down. Is there anything you can do for us? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We don't want to pay for tickets because they're very expensive. Mm-hmm. Nothing ghosted. And someone else, one of the Vegas fans who was he dressed up in a night costume all the time. Yeah. He loved our story. Right. And so he said, Hey, who did you guys reach out to? We told him, Eric, he said, what about Brian? Brian's the, the marketing, the mm-hmm. boss of marketing, the CMO, gave us his email. So we emailed Brian. It wasn't 20 minutes later where he had forwarded that email to Eric and said, hey, Eric, give these guys some media passes. Love what's what's happening or whatever it was. Yeah. I start losing my mind, Mace, Yeah, because I love hockey. Mm-hmm. This guy has given me access to a Vegas Golden Knights locker room. Yeah. I have no business being there. Yeah. In, in any way, because yeah. if you didn't know, I wear this tennis band everywhere I go, which is, you would call it a headband, and it just, it's usually red, but it's different colors, yeah. and a Vegas School Knights jersey. So we get down there to Vegas, and I still think it's fake, it's fake, it's fake, until we get into the bowels of the T-Mobile Center, mm-hmm. and I'm walking to the media room, and I walk in the same room 
as all the Sportsnet NBC personalities, I'm shaking their hands like, yep. hey, Darren Millard. Like this whole thing is very surreal. Yeah. They go play the game. We're up in the in the booth just watching these guys play. Then we're down after the game interviewing the players. Like the whole thing is insane. Like I just want to illustrate just how insane it is because if you've ever been up in a press box or anything, you see like people in suit and ties. They're, they've been doing this for years. They've had to work in sports media for years in order to get that access. And you have two guys from Saskatchewan, one with a tennis band in the exact same spot, yeah. asking questions, disrupting the narratives yeah, of typical, how things typically go in a press 100%. Box. Yeah. And people didn't like it. Yeah. Like it wasn't like everyone was our fans. If you've grinded at being a sports journalist for years yeah. and you see us show up and have fun in a job that you take very seriously. Yeah. It, not that we're not taking it seriously. We're just a different angle, right? Yeah. That can rub a lot of people the wrong way. And it did. So just to show just how much you were disrupting, like one of my favorite stories is how some people were asking questions like, tell me a little bit about the second period. How did... Um, how did you come back from the penalty kill? And then you get up and you ask a question about the nightlife in, in Vegas compared to Saskatchewan yeah. to a former Saskatchewan boy. Yeah. What's Braden McNabb. Yeah. He played on LA, was playing on the Kings and Justin, this is our very first press conference ever mm -hmm. before the game had started. And I'm sitting there with my tennis band on in, in my Jersey with a blue blazer. And Justin's got his camera next to me and he's like, Ask a question. He's like elbowing me. Ask a question. <laughs> yeah. And I'm terrified to ask a question. I don't want to make a fool of myself. Right. And then Braden comes out and I say, lift up my hand. And it's like, okay, final question to you. And I say, hey, it's Justin and Greg from Saskatchewan. He says, welcome, boys. <laughs> like an only a guy from Davidson could say. <laughs> right. And he says, and I say, hey, hey, we're from Saskatchewan. Just want to know how the nightlife compares in Davidson to Las Vegas. And the room erupted laughing. Yeah. And he laughed and then he answered the question and then we laughed. And I thought, we can do this. Yeah. We can do this. We can be ourselves in this place. Mm -hmm. And even that, like walking into that T-Mobile place for the mm -hmm. first time, I didn't have my tennis band on. Yeah. I left it in the hotel. Yeah. And Justin said, he kind of looked at me seriously. and was like, dude, we got here because of who we are. Yeah. Go put the tennis back, band on. Like stop trying to pretend to be someone you're not. Yeah. And I had this moment of like, you're totally right. Yeah. Either you, you go down swinging the way you are or I coalesce and try to be like these sports journalists and I'm not them. So yeah. I went back and got it and then it's in the video. Oh yeah, the imposter syndrome would have been so real. Oh, it's brutal. Moment. And like fast forward to you sitting in a stall beside Marc-Andre Fleury, the goalie of one of your childhood or favorite teams, totally. Pittsburgh Penguins, interviewing him in a one-on-one -on -one basis. About Saskatchewan. About Saskatchewan. Hey, what do you think about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Bunny Hogs, Vico? Like the whole thing doesn't make sense. Yeah. But we were there because we just kept on like, okay, you gave us this. What if we did this. And I should say this. One of the things that we were really strong on was how do we provide value to the audience? Mm -hmm. it, it was never about Justin and Greg furthering our own platform. It was how do we do something that gives value to not only the people that are going to watch it, but the people that are for it. So for, yeah. in, th in that instance, when we sat down with Marc-Andre Fleury and Ryan Reeves and Nate Schmidt, two, like three of the players, yeah. was we told the Vegas Gold Knights, hey, listen, if you let us do this, our Saskatchewan audience will eat this up. Yeah. And so will your your Vegas audience. And said, yeah. cool, here's five minutes, make it happen. Again, talking about luck as well. Brian was a very forward-thinking CMO yeah. who took a risk on two, we'll call ourselves vloggers, mm -hmm. from Saskatchewan and said, what's the worst they can do to us, mm -hmm. right? So you're experiencing all of these really cool wins and really high highs. But in the back of your mind, 
and the question that you're being asked by so many people, how are you making money? Yeah, that was literally every person. How are you making money? How do you guys make money? Because we were on Facebook, not YouTube, right? Yeah. If we got 15 million views on YouTube, that would pay some of the bills. Because mm -hmm. I think you make anywhere from 2,500 to 7,500 bucks per million views mm -hmm. on YouTube back then. Yep. So that'd be some money, mm -hmm. like 75 grand-ish for one rural Uber video. We yeah. got nothing right. on Facebook and we never had an answer for them. Mm -hmm. Like we would have contracts with clients where they would come pay us to come do a video, but it was never sustainable money mm -hmm. in the long run. It would be a one-off thing. Okay, here's $5,000, come do this video for this project. Mm -hmm. Okay, but that gets eaten up so fast in everything else we're trying to do. Like, especially if you're buying tickets to Vegas and, and you're trying to propel that it's that chicken, the egg. It's like, you have to show you're successful for people to buy into that credibility, but you can't do that until you have like a financial base. And yeah. if you don't have that, then where's that money coming from? Meanwhile, we've got families, we have mortgages. Justin's got three kids and the stress starts to mount. And mm -hmm. so when we first decided to kill off pigeon and go full-time Justin and Greg, okay, we're going to go all in on Justin and Greg. Right. We had a great first month. We made great money and everything was working out fine. We thought, we're going to be great. Mm -hmm. And then it was dry. Then it was a desert for a very long time. I would say up to three months. Because the first month was in May, then June, July, August. We didn't get a paycheck, I don't think, until August sometime. So what are you doing in these moments? Trying. We're trying to create content, trying to find the next thing, trying to be inspired. Meanwhile, this stress is knocking on the back of your cranium. Mm. And at this time, too, like Justin was videoing and editing all of our stuff, right? So the, the workload on him is substantial mm -hmm. and he's starting to burn out too. Yeah. And we didn't realize until around September-ish of that year, we need to hire someone to film and edit it Yeah. as opposed to just putting it all on Justin's back so that we both can be equal partners in the, the creation and the execution of the ideas right. as opposed to, okay, Justin, film this video for us. Now you go edit it. Yeah. So what's that like? Like a casual observer would see you getting tons of likes, comments, shares. You were emceeing almost every event that I was at too. But what's happening behind the scenes is that you have that stress of how am I going to make ends meet? How were you making ends meet in the in this moment? Truthfully, the line of credit yeah. was bailing us out because we wouldn't get a paycheck and we'd have bills to pay. Mm -hmm. So we'd pull out of the line of credit. I mean, he had his, I had mine. Mm -hmm. By the end of Justin and Greg, I think I was $50,000 on my line of credit. Really? Maybe a little bit more mm -hmm. than that. Like it was, it was substantial. And like, again, very unwise in the sense of being fiscally prudent. Mm -hmm. But we believed in it and mm -hmm. we believed in it and we believed in it. And Mason, honestly, couple like that stress with these big successes. When, when Vegas tourism says, hey guys, we want to fly you down for a week to Vegas for you guys to cover the Stanley Cup final, but we can't get tickets to bring you there. Mm -hmm. If you can get tickets, we'll make this happen. So what do we do? We find a way to get tickets from the owner's son, who's a big fan of Justin and Greg, mm -hmm. offered us his tickets to the Stanley Cup final. Vegas Tourism says, cool, you're in. So we go do this wild piece of content for Vegas Tourism where there's limos and helicopter rides into the Grand Canyon and race cars, etc. We don't make $1 from this. Right. In fact, it cost us money because there was a miscommunication, lo and behold, that we thought they were covering our meals mm. and they didn't end up covering the meals. So we were down a thousand bucks. So we have all this great content that doesn't pay the bills, but it could help us pay the bills in the future, right? Yeah. So you're constantly in this place of like, do I continue to risk what I believe in to take it one step forward, even though that makes things more difficult on the bottom line? 
Ugh. And I think it's very common to entrepreneurs, right? You're constantly going, I believe in this. I think it's going to work. And how many times have you seen the story on Dragon's Den yeah. of people with an idea right. that they believe in that they've mortgaged their house for? And you're like, oh, this isn't going to work. So what, like, what's holding you? Like you have pride, you have passion, you have ego. What other things are going through your mind saying, keep going, you got to keep going with this? I mean, for me, it, not really ego. Mm -hmm. I'm not very prideful. It, I believed in it, man. Like when, when you're sitting there $50,000 in debt and you turn around and look at the long list of just insane things that have happened from getting a private tour of Jimmy Fallon's studio and delivering him t-shirts mm -hmm. to the moose war that happened to just very random things like tell us saying, hey guys, we want you to be part of our influencer club. Right. To the Vegas School Night story. To like, it just felt like when I'm looking back at all these massive hits, that there was a bigger purpose here. Right. And I'm going, this has to work, does right. it not? Meanwhile, you're being told that by every single person you meet. And like, there's a lesson there about feedback, yeah. right? And not that I let their feedback drive me, but it helps helps verify what you believe in your heart, which is, this is going to work, this is going to work, this is going to work. You guys are, you, your, your next breakthrough is right around the corner. Yeah. And sometimes it was, mm -hmm. but in the long run, it really wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, I remember you telling me that all of these great things are happening to you. And then on the flight home, you have massive anxiety. Well, how am I supposed to support my family? Yeah. Because in that moment, you're outside of all that, right? In that moment, you're living a content creator's dream making like the best content that you could ask for mm -hmm. with the best access. We get flown down by a bank in in America, Credit One Bank. They give us a private showcase of a NASCAR event, which no one else has access to, Right, what we were doing, to film their car, Credit One, with... And then you're there going, okay, cool. This They're paying us a fraction of what we need to cover our costs, but it covers our costs enough to get down here, get the content, because maybe it will unlock the next thing. Right. Right. And people go, Oh, what about the moose war? Well, the moose war didn't pay us anything. Mm -hmm. It was great PR. We're on the New York times on the biggest radio show in the world. BBC radio one. That's great. Yeah. But where's the paycheck? Exactly. Yeah. And so it's our own fault for not having the proper business model in place. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I wouldn't do anything different. And we're talking about like the dopamine hits and the things that are tricking you psychologically saying, this is working, this is working. But then you look at your, your statements and saying, I can't put food on the table next month. Yeah. That's so stressful. Incredibly stressful to come home to your wife and say, hey, we got 15 million views in her, in her go. Cool. Mm -hmm. Proud of you. Excited for what comes next. How do we buy groceries? Because mm. I'm on mat leave, right? With this new kid. Yeah. How, do we, how do we reconcile this? Yeah. That is a very hard thing to look in the eye. So let's talk about next steps. How did you make the decision to close the doors on Justin and Greg? We gave ourselves a hard deadline of if things aren't shifted and changed significantly by this date, us bringing in this amount of money, then we need to shut it down. And that was an agreement with our wives. It was a team effort of like, okay, here's the date. Here's what we need as a sign that things are going to be okay because we cannot continue like this. And when that date came, it was like, okay, I guess... As much as it hurts to kill the thing you love, we're going to lay this down and try and find the job. Mm. How hard was that? Uh, it was It was very hard. It, it was very hard. And for someone like me, I have a hard time processing the emotional side of that stuff. Yeah. And so it was kind of like it happened. And the next day I'm looking for a job and going like, it, part of it was relief, right? Yeah. Like keep that in mind too. Part of it was, okay, finally I can look for a job to start paying off some of this debt, to put food and 
and uh, look after my family. Like yeah. there's a relief there, mm-hmm. but there's a, this incredible morning of this moment in time, this two and a half years with this person who is as close to me as my brother, mm-hmm. that is gone now. Yeah. And the deeper that reality sunk of what it was and what I lost in terms of the freedom and the creativity and the, the journeying with a brother like that, uh, that stings. What was it like with the public? Because from an outside point of view, well, I, I, I kind of had like an inside track just because I'm friends with you, but I heard a lot of people say, whoa, how, what, how is this over? They, they seem to be on top of the world right now. What was that like to receive the, the perception that you're absolutely crushing it, but the reality that it's time to close the doors and then hearing people's reaction to it? Uh, it was hard. I'll never forget the last video we filmed to kind of say, hey guys, we're done. Here's why. My head wasn't even in it. Like I was such in a fog while we were trying to, I didn't want to admit it. Like I didn't want to be done. I didn't want to, at the time in my mind, view it as, hey, I lost. We lost. We were wrong about this dream we had together. Uh, It was hard, very, very hard. And I think the more people understood the reality of what was going on financially, Mm -hmm. I don't think I met one person that was like, hey, like you made the wrong decision. You should have kept on that, sacrificing that. Right. There's people who are frustrated by, uh, they believed in us so much. They said, you know what? I wish there was more corporate investment in what you guys were doing to cover those costs. But like that's neither here nor there. So for the most part, once people understood the why behind it, they were like, oh, that's really too bad. I wish there was another way because we loved to support you and what was going on. So it's been a couple of years now since you made that last video. Does it still feel like a loss? No. No. Now, now I realize I'm just so proud of it. Mm-hmm. I'm so proud of what it was in the sense of I could sit down with Winnie and go, hey, Winnie, coming full circle going, I tried this. It didn't work out how I planned, but here's what I got out of it. Mm-hmm. I got what feels like a hundred amazing stories. Justin and I are always reminiscing about moments that we forgot about. All these amazing stories, incredible experience about running a business, making content, meeting great people, networking, etc. And I don't know, Mace, it's just like I look back and go, there's no way I can consider what happened as a loss. Yeah, I'd agree. There's just no way I can quantify that. Like I know it cost me a lot of money mm-hmm. and that's hard. But uh, when, when I'll always have those memories and those stories and I'll never know the real ripple impact of what those did. Mm-hmm. I just feel like there's something there. Yeah. Almost like we were planting seeds for something else. Yeah. And I mean, lo and behold, now I'm a, a radio host mm-hmm. on one of the biggest, or the biggest morning show in Regina. Mm-hmm. Like I can point to Justin and Greg as something that got me to that place. Yeah, and you never know what's coming next. Exactly. So when you're quitting your job at, at Look Agency and you're like, okay, well, it's here or fail. What you don't see is the step that comes after the the air quotes fail is that shows it was like a connector to something not necessarily bigger, but something that is going to be your path and your journey for a little bit after that. It's next to impossible. I think to see that where you go, Oh, the experience I just got from two and a half years of insane content creation and business management, etc., is going to open up this Avenue and this Avenue and this Avenue. All you see is what's in front of you trying to pay the bills and you go, Oh, I lost. Yeah. But I realized I have those memories. I have that experience and I, at the end of the day, I think we won. Yeah. So before we talk about radio and, and the pivot, which is so fascinating, tell me how you you said you mentioned you had about $50,000 in debt mm-hmm. through this. What was the plan, the next steps in order to alleviate that? Get a job as fast as you possibly can. 
And I mean, tr the truth was it had to be the right job. Right. So I had a couple opportunities and I remember working through which one was the right fit. And I was talking with someone, I can't remember who it was, but they said, listen, man, like invest in what you want to be great at, mm -hmm. you know, like write down what you want out of a job and what, you, where you, what the skills you want to have and then go after that. And so the radio happened to be one of them. Mm -hmm. And so, okay, I'm going to get that job. But then it was, okay, how do we get out of this debt as fast as we can? So Brittany was back to work by then. Mm -hmm. And we were just lucky enough that our mortgage was coming up for renewal. Mm -hmm. So we took some money out of the house to pay off that debt to give us a, a restart, essentially. Awesome. It's so interesting, the creative things that you can do with debts and how you can roll it into other different things in order to make it a situation and consolidate it to a place where this seems a little bit less overwhelming. Oh, I'm so thankful. Yeah. Like to get that off, to see the zero on the land and credit, even knowing that I'm paying it on my house, yeah. the mental health aspect of that and the tension, Brittany would say the same thing. Okay, let's take a quick break to provide some context on something that Greg just said. Greg mentioned that he rolled the debt from his line of credit into his mortgage payment in order to avoid high interest fees. I reached out to Sani Upal, the branch manager of our West Landing branch in Regina, and I asked him to break this down for us. Here's what he had to say. Rolling your debt into your mortgage, whether that is through a second mortgage or a refinance, depending on the type of mortgage you currently have, it's an option that some people use to pay off their debt. How this works is via either a second mortgage or a refinance to align the structure of your debt to your financial goal. It happens through having a lower interest rate since this is secured lending versus what you might pay on a line of credit or a credit card. It is a good option for those who have now already established financially healthy behaviors However, if you haven't yet, it's a great time to reflect back on what healthy spending behaviors are first. This needs to align to your overall financial plan, which includes having a budget so that we can help our members achieve their financial goals. Hey, thanks, Annie. This is why working with your financial advisor to help you manage your finances is so important because they might be able to think of a creative solution that you didn't even know is possible that will save you a ton of worry about money. It worked for Greg. Let's get back to our interview with him. So let's talk about what came next and the pivot. How did you make your way to radio? Okay, so I put down on a list of things that radio would offer me, like in terms of the skills to work on. And with Justin and Greg, I was told over and over again, hey, one of your strengths is you're great on camera, mm -hmm. a really great personality. And I had to start to believe that. But I, at the end of the day, I really enjoyed when the record button was on, when I was live yeah. with Justin and Greg, that was where I brought the most to the table. Yeah. And so I thought, well, this is up my alley and why not try and go all in on my strengths, right? Because if it didn't work out, once again, I go, I'm working on a skill set that pays off in a thousand ways, right? right? Corporate presentations, managing a team. It's like you're working on communication and communication is one of the number one skills you can have in right. today's world. So I thought, okay, let's do this. And we were doing Justin and Greg, we were on the radio once in a while. And the radio peeps over at Rolco said, listen, you guys, if you ever want a job at the radio station, give us a call, we'll see if it works. And so when it ended, they were as surprised as we were, but they said, oh, let's see what we can do. And then lo and behold, after some talk with Jamie, they were looking for a co-host for him. They thought, you know what? Would you consider being a co-host on the Green Zone? And at the time, I'm like, oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Could life get any better? Right. I'm a, in sports radio now. I'm on the other side. I am a journalist, a sports journalist. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a sports journalist. <laughs> but what they wanted was to bring a contrasting personality to Jamie Nye, who if you know him, he's insanely brilliant. He knows everything about the CFL. 
He's a great sports analyst. And then there would be me, this wild fan mm -hmm. who believes that if you change your jersey or you put your hat inside out, you can literally impact a sporting event. Right. So. Oh, that's awesome. So you spent some time with the Green Zone. How did you find yourself as the co-host of one of pro the province's most listened to morning shows in Z99? Okay, so this, again, was a surprise to me. I, I loved Zed. I loved the the fun of the radio. So yeah. when Justin and I were doing what we did, I loved how the, the, the positivity of it, how optimistic it was. It was encouraging. It was fun. So when I was doing the Green Zone, every once in a while, I would do a Saturday night show with Cassidy. Mm -hmm. They'd be like, hey, you guys link up and do a Saturday night show. It's fun Saturday night. Just, just have a blast talking about whatever you wanted. So Cassidy and I would go in the studio and we would just riff and have a blast. And it was such a breath of fresh air for me because it wasn't serious. It was fun. And I love to laugh, Mason. And little did I know that they were fast forwarding, looking for, can these two be the replacements for the legends that are CeCe and Lori who were about to retire? So it was like a tryout that you didn't know what was happening. Yeah. My understanding was, and this is not confirmed to me, but my understanding was they were putting us together with the belief that we could potentially be the replacements. Right. And they were listening to what that was. Like the chemistry. Going, yeah. Can yeah. we use this as a building block for this show in the future? And so sometime mid-February, they presented the offer to me to say, listen, we want you to be the next, the second ever morning show co-host for Z99. And I said, am I crazy to say no to this? And they said, yeah, you would be completely insane. <laughs> They're like, what are you doing? Yeah. And so that's how it happened. Yeah. I, and I just like, again, I, I didn't go to radio school. Yeah. It's just like Justin and Greg. Yeah. I just showed up, did what I could do, yeah. the best I could do, believed in myself and just tried my darndest. I think what it shows, it's, it's very similar to your story in Vegas is that you have so many people that have worked their lives for this and you come in and disrupt it, but you're offering something to the table that has never been there and it's disrupting it in such a fun way. I'll never forget being in Vegas. It was the playoffs. The Knights had just won their first ever playoff game and we're in line to go into the locker room to interview the Knights after their first ever playoff game. And all the legacy media are there. And I'm looking down the row and there's this guy named Nick who works for the NHL. And I had just shaken his hand before the game had started and been like, Nick, I follow you on Twitter. Looked up to you my entire life. Amazing. And he's down the row and you got to think, I've got my tennis band on, my blazer, my nightshirt. Justin has Mardi Gras beads, <laughs> his night jersey. He's wearing like knee-high pants and a backwards green hat. And Nick is talking to someone else who works in media. And she looks back and sees us and says, who are they? Mm -hmm. What are they doing here? And Nick looks at her and says, he rolls his eyes and says, bloggers. <laughs> like he's disgusted by us, right? Yeah. So I have a moment there to go, wait a minute. Do I believe in what we're doing? Or do I give them what they want is for me to be like them and follow their path? And at the end of the day, I owe it to myself to try. I mm -hmm. could fail and that's okay. Would you rather fail having been true to who you are and what you believe? Or would you rather just do not, and not even to, to knock what they did because that was their path. That's what they did. Yeah. But I can understand Nick being annoyed that I'm in the exact same lineup he is mm -hmm. having none of the journalism training, but we're not even doing the same job. Right. Yeah. And so same thing for being a radio host. Hey, Greg, you're on the, the biggest morning show in the city. Do you know that other radio hosts probably hate you? Well, yeah, I would understand that because I didn't take the same path they did. But I would hope that from their perspective, they go, you know what? Like to each his own. Mm -hmm. I want to make it to where I want to make it going this way. And I and he's going to try going that way. And it all comes down to that. Do I wear the headband? Sorry, do I wear the tennis band moment of 
Do I try to take it off and, and go down their path? Or am I going to do what brought me here and put on that damn ta- tennis band and bring myself and my authenticity to the table? Yeah. And I, I think that's for everyone to look in the mirror and go, who am I? What what brings me to life? What do I bring to the table? And not to do it in a way, Mace, where you you give a middle finger to the rules. Yeah. Because you have to take that into consideration as well. We didn't go into the Vegas Knights locker room and said, hey, forget the scrums. Give us all the attention. Like, let us do our thing. We were like, yeah. okay, how do we insert ourselves in what we believe within the framework of how this thing works. We're not blowing up the system. We're ex- in some ways exploiting the system uh, to its own benefit, right? And yeah. Brian would see, hey, this these bloggers, if you want to call us that, or these YouTubers, they help bring a different set of attention to my team. I want that. Yeah. Well, what's, tr- what's true about Justin and Greg and bloggers is that they build communities. So if their community now positively associates with your brand, that's a win in itself. Yeah. And lots of people don't see that. They're like, why are these loud people now in our media scrums? It's because their content is going to unite a bigger community that is going to become fans likely totally. of the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, Nick, you're going to reach your diehard hockey bloggers, mm-hmm. and I'm going to reach fans that aren't necessarily diehard, that just want to have fun, and I'm going to introduce them to your sport. And guess what? At some point, if they're brand new, they may even grow into your audience as well. We're actually on the same team doing different things. Okay, so reflecting back on these past few years, you talked about what you've learned about from yourself, but if you could offer a piece of advice, a word of warning, or anything at all to you five years ago, what would you say? I would say, if I can quote Mufasa, Okay. Simba, remember (laughs) who you are. (laughs) That'd be my advice. Because when I was at the agency, I followed a lot of rules. In my whole life, I've been very good at following rules, Mason. Yeah. You give me a structure, whether it's university, whether it's church, whether it's the rules my parents put in my house, I will meet and exceed those expectations. Mm -hmm. I was very good at that. What I was not so good at was trusting myself enough outside of those rules and that structure and that framework to be successful. Right. And it's like, Greg, take a risk. Go out there. Worst case scenario, you'll fall on your face, but you have the experience for it. I would encourage myself to do that earlier. And even when I'm in the journey, to continue to do that and say, listen, say no more often. If you don't believe in something, say no. It's okay. You're not going to hurt someone's feelings, or maybe you do. Mm-hmm. But I think that I learned the value of, of time more than I ever have in the midst of this to go, wait a minute, I want to spend as much time as I can on the things that bring me to life. And for me personally, things that bring other people life. Right. And that's why Zed was such a great fit for me because they asked me, can you show up every day, encourage the city, celebrate Regina, be optimistic and have fun? I thought, whoa, <laughs> I feel like I was born for this. Right. And whether it lasts 30 years or not, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's radio things change all the time. I promise to show up every day and try and do those four things as best I can because that is who I am. Oh, love that. Okay, so before we let you go, I am going to hit you with 10 speed round questions. Ooh, I like this. To learn a little bit about you on a different level. Okay. Okay. I already know one of the answers is Ted Lasso, so put that one in there somewhere. (laughs) Okay, first question. What's the best part about being a girl dad? Oh, you're gonna make me cry. I don't even think I know yet. Mm. So growing up with a family of four boys, this is a whole new world to me. Right. I don't know how girls work. You can ask my wife that. <laughs> Even when we were dating, I think the first four gifts I bought her were these soap baskets. Okay. She's like, stop <laughs> buying me soap baskets. <laughs> like, I thought that's what girls wanted was soap and moisturizer oh, that smell. Yeah. And so it's it, everything's brand new to me. 
But I look, I look around at them and I'm like, man, I, I feel like they raise me mm. more than anything. So the best part about being a girl dad, man, is to be able to speak life into them, confidence into them, and let them know that whatever they put their mind to and whatever they want to do, I'm right there with them. Yeah. When we talk about like breaking down barriers for women. It is so cool to be a part of that journey in a different way. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, this is a PSA to any boyfriend, girlfriend, husband or wife. Don't buy a Bed Bath & Beyond <laughs> gift card <laughs> for Christmas every year. Give them some variety. Literally, three oh, years in a row. That's awesome. Okay, next question. I know you're a fan of Darkwing Duck. What's your own personal superpower? It would be this. When I'm with you, I do a pretty decent job finding out what you need and focusing my energy on giving you that. So what brought you to candles at Bed Bath & Beyond for- That was my mom. <laughs> I relied on my mom. And it was her, I mean, she she didn't know girls as well as I did, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, she had four boys, so she yeah. forgot what it was like to be a girl years ago. But if I'm hanging out with some friends, I'm going to do my best to make sure that you leave that time of us together feeling better, not necessarily inspired, but that could come with it, but feeling good. Yeah. And I want to make sure that when we connect, it is good and wholesome and life-giving. Right on. Next question. A lesson you've learned about money. I would say that Justin and my wife tell me this, is it's just money, right? Like, don't be foolish with it because it offers you a lot of things, but don't worship it either. Mm. Don't bow down to what it gives you. It gives you stuff, sure. And it's fun to be a part of that system where you can buy stuff and experiences, etc. But don't let it rule you. You rule it. So be prudent with it, but at the same time, recognize its value in not running your life. Next question, what makes you feel nostalgic? A lot of things. I find that I'm not nostalgic all the time, but it's memories throughout my childhood. And so I'll just sit back when I have some quiet time to meditate, read, pray, whatever it is, and memories will come back to me about people right. and moments. Yeah. And I'll just text people about those moments. Hey, do you remember this? Yeah. Do you remember when you and I were in Trinidad and we did this thing? And they'll be like, yeah. I'm like, that was awesome. Yeah. Maybe photos. Help me like, jog those memories. It's usually I'm making a connection about something. Yeah. I'll watch something and be like, oh, that's funny. That reminds me of this moment in my past with this person. And I'll text them about that sort of thing. Yeah. It's interesting. I was just on a road trip with some friends that I went to high school with. And you don't realize how much you compartmentalize your memories mm -hmm. until you're around a group of people that yes. can unlock them. 100%. Yeah. 100%. When you're around them, it's like you have a different brain almost. You're like, whoa, there you are. Yeah. And they just start flowing back. And I I love that. Yeah. So when I'm with my friends and we can do that, honestly, that's my favorite thing to do yeah. is to have great craft pints with great friends yeah. and just tell stories and reminisce. Yeah. That's why it's so important to have people from all aspects of your life still around you. Great point. Possible. Great yeah. point. Uh, next question. A good or bad habit that you picked up during COVID-19? A good habit. I work out now. Yeah. I haven't worked out my entire life. I've avoided it at all costs. Yeah. To the point where I busted my shoulder like a decade ago. Yeah. And the physiotherapist said, you have two options. You can work out or you can have surgery. And I said, surgery. Yeah. <laughs> she said, just so you know, after surgery, you have to work out. I'm like, oh, I can't avoid it. <laughs> so I did nothing. Right. So this year around Christmas time, I decided to commit to working out. I finally, mm -hmm. something clicked in me. And it has been one of the best decisions outside of eating healthier that I've ever made in my entire life. Good for you. Second last question. What do you do to calm your nerves? Uh, normally I pray. Normally I'll take some time, think, breathe, pray. 
that is usually it. It's probably the main thing to calm my nerves. Like I don't get nervous that often. I dry heave a lot. Sorry to the listeners. <laughs> but like when I get really nervous and my heart rate gets up, I'll start dry heaving. Right. And if anyone knows me well enough, they've seen it before. Yeah. Like before we go, I go live with Justin and Greg, I'm, I won't do the sound for you. I'm dry heaving. Yeah. And even when I started on, on Zed with Cassidy, Justin said, hey, did you tell her about the dry heaves? Like that's the running joke. Even Jamie and I, yeah. my old co-host on the Green Zone, did you tell her about the dry heaves? And she's seen it a few times. Yeah. And so it, it gets up there. But the weird thing is how I know it's mental. As soon as we're live, whether it's in front of an audience or in front of the radio or this podcast, yeah. I'm locked in. Yeah. So I know it's a mental thing. I just can't get control of it. So, you know, breathe slower, take a moment, think, meditate. It's so it. weird how it will lock you in where, you, where you're where you in it so you're not dry heaving. With For riders, I was always so nervous when I was in-game hosting that I was going to get the hiccups. I was going to sneeze something like that. But it's like your mind says, like a sneeze comes in. It's like, nope, hold. You have to wait five minutes until he's off the air. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll never forget, Justin and I were doing a presentation somewhere and I'm literally walking on stage doing my dry heave. And he's like, are you me okay? And then, hey, welcome to the whatever we're doing. Right? Yeah. And then it doesn't come back for an hour. And then by the time I'm done, then I can cool down. There's got to be like a biological thing. Like it has to be. My dad dry heaves too. Oh, really? So I say it's genetic yeah. to, to an extent. But like when my dad gets nervous or stressed, he yeah. dry heaves. That's something I did not learn in psychology. No. Learning fight or flight or anything. Yeah. Like what is that going to do for anything? <laughs> fight, flight, dry heave. Yeah. Who knows? Okay. Last question for you. What connects us? We, I think at the end of the day, we're all on our own journeys. And I think what connects us is that, the fact that you experience something completely different from me, your journey is different from mine. And that is a reason that we should hang out and have a conversation. Right. And I'll never forget someone communicating to me that every single person on the planet has experienced something different than you have. And that is a story worth exploring. Mm. And you may hate someone, you may disagree with someone, you may love someone, but like as soon as you see or hear their stories, something changes in the way that you perceive that person right. and you feel more connected to them. Mm -hmm. And I feel like what connects us is just that. I think that's some perspective that that a lot of us could use right now. Oh, really oh boy. That. Yeah. Well, Greg, thank you so much for your vulnerability, your perspective and sharing your story with us. I am so lucky to call you one of my good friends. And I think anybody listening here is going to feel inspired, but also have a really good idea of just everything that looks like shiny on the surface. There could be some other things in the background that you don't know. So to give people that ounce of, of grace and patience, but thank you so much for, for being a guest on the podcast today. Hey, thanks for having me. I had an absolute time. Awesome. Well, that's it for our chat with Greg and this episode of the What Connects Us podcast. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. In the meantime, if you like the podcast, please do us a favor, hit that subscribe or follow button, leave a review of the podcast and share the podcast with a friend or on social media. We'll see you in two weeks. Until then, I'm off to Bed Bath & Beyond.